0: Hi, and welcome to Traditional Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Carl In today's episode, we're starting a mini series on Amazonian healing disciplines. And we're answering the question what exactly are they all about? We're going to be talking about their origins and the three very important ingredients that had to be there in order for this discipline to take place and grow and blossom into what it is today. We're also going to be talking a little bit about how healers learn in this discipline in today's episode. If this is the first time that you're tuning into this podcast, here's a little bit about what you can expect to hear. In this podcast, we talk all things Amazonian and High Andean healing traditions of Peru. For over nine years, I've been volunteering for various healers, and for more than half of that time, I have been volunteering for Amazonian and High Andean Kiro healers of Peru. This podcast is all about distilling that knowledge and experience so that you can feel closer to these traditions. Also, if you're looking for authentic traditional indigenous healing, but don't know where to look, check out traditionalmedicinemiami.com. We work directly with the Curo community on a very special project to connect their world renowned healers with the people who need them. So if you're looking to alleviate addiction urges, anxiety, depression, and really kind of the list goes on and on, they do some incredible work. We have various plans that you can take a look at. And if you're finally ready to give traditional indigenous healing a try, go ahead and send us a message. We'll be happy to connect you. All right, so let's get started on today's episode regarding Amazonian healing disciplines of South America. Now, if you haven't checked out episode three, what is at the core of ancestral sciences, or you haven't checked out episode nine, traditional indigenous healers and their alliance with Mother Earth, I would suggest you check that out because it's going to give you the foundation you need to understand this discipline. But in a nutshell, the Amazonian healing traditions came about in a similar way to the way that the Kiro high healing disciplines came about. The major difference between both of these traditions in terms of how they came about was where they were located. The Amazonian healer was in the Amazon and the high Andean healer were surrounded by sacred mountains. So they learned how to connect to Mother Earth, where they were, and also to the sacred beings that were around. Both of these pre-Columbian healing traditions came because... They were able to communicate, they were able to connect in a very deep way with Mother Earth and our kin around us here that are not just humans. They are plants, they are trees, they are sacred waterfalls, they are sacred mountains, and they were able to tap into this kind of realm of reality, a reality that was able to bypass the limitations of language, the limitations of the intellect, connecting them to a sort of free-flowing place of information and communication with not only other humans, but other sacred beings here on earth. So The Amazonian disciplines that I'm talking about are the healing disciplines that require healers to work with sacred beings in the Amazon, usually in the form of sacred plants. These sacred plants, these sacred beings in the Amazon have made contact with humans. Humans have made contact with them and through that friendship through that alliance, have put together this collaborative project, which is the Amazonian disciplines and traditions. So let's go back a little and talk about how this tradition came to be. There are three critical elements that gave birth to this discipline. The first was reverence of Mother Earth. They felt everybody was family. Everything around them was family and to be respected. That was the first crucial ingredient to this tradition. The second was this sense of service a sense of service to Mother Earth, to the divine, and to their fellow community members. These traditions were formed in communities where people were not, you know, driving Lamborghinis while other people were starving on the street. It was a very different community. And this community, this paradigm that they lived in, allowed them to be able to access these states of consciousness. The third element, the third ingredient that made this tradition possible was our inborn intuition. Carl Jung mentions how we have these biological features that were passed down to us, instincts, things like that. And also we were given these inborn intuitions that were passed down to us. So we are both this biological creature, but also we are this creature that has intuition. And our intuition does some really, really cool stuff. It is like another side of who we are. Now, way, way back in pre Columbian times, the Americas were a very different place. Our society, our culture encouraged these three elements to thrive. During this sort of golden age in the Americas, where all three of these elements were really encouraged by culture, by society, we were able to push our consciousness to new heights. And because of these three elements so heightened in society and in culture, we were able to pioneer these disciplines. What was really cool about this time was that it was fertile ground for these types of innovations to take place. But you didn't need everyone to break through and pioneer these disciplines. You just needed a few people that were able to make contact with sacred beings. And then from there, we able to co-create this type of discipline. Once those pioneers were able to establish the communication, the great relationship with these sacred beings, from there they co-created that discipline. And what they were going to do was essentially pave the way for other people to be able to also have this kind of communication, also be able to heal and learn from these sacred beings, even if they didn't naturally reach these heights of consciousness. So they basically put together a plan, a process, some stepping stones to get everyone to the highest level of consciousness. So how do healers come into these traditions, particularly the Amazonian tradition? Well, usually it's passed down through family, right? Um, If your grandfather was a healer, you would probably learn how to heal. You would learn how to communicate with the sacred plants. You would go through your diets. You would do everything you needed to do to be able to be proficient in that tradition. It definitely makes sense that people would train others in their family to uh, learn about these traditions and disciplines because number one, what better thing to do as a family than to be able to share this world with one another? It's something that unites family. It doesn't help when you're Grandchild doesn't understand the basics of something that means very much to you. So it's encouraging family unity when everybody's on the same page about what is important to grandma and grandpa and your parents. Number two, in order to learn, you really have to spend a lot of time with uh, the person that's teaching you, and you essentially become family. And the third thing is that um, it doesn't hurt that you're coming from a lineage of people who are. Um, working on their energetics to be able to perform healing. So uh, if your great-great-grandmother and grandfather were healers, and then uh, your grandparents were healers, your, your parents were healers, I mean, it's only natural that you are probably going to be uh, good at this as well. Because you haven't just inherited the color of their skin, the color in their hair and their eyes, you have also inherited their energetics. But of course, there are people who do not come from a line of healers, not at least that they could remember or recall, but they are going to be welcome into that tradition because it's meant to be. Um, the universe knows what it needs, and sometimes what it needs is something completely out of the box. Um, so it, it does happen that, uh, that these uh, kinds of situations do take place. For example, I remember hearing the story of my friend Jorge, who is Peruvian, but didn't come from a line of healers, and he lived in the Amazon and he came into this particular discipline because he had to ask a healer for help with a uh, an energetic complication brought about by witchcraft. My friend Jorge was really in bad shape and really dangerous situations were manifesting in his life and That is how he came in contact with Benigno, who is an incredible Amazonian healer and ended up becoming his teacher. As Benigno was drinking ayahuasca and consulting with this sacred plant being that is ayahuasca, the ayahuasca told Benigno that Jorge should learn, that Jorge should be brought into the tradition and that he would be a great cook, great ayahuasca cook. And she told Benigno, that she wanted him to learn, so um, to tell him that, and so Benigno goes to Jorge. Jorge, I, I, you know, I was told by Ayahuasca that um, she wants you to learn how to cook. You are very talented. Would you be interested in learning? And this is how that journey began for Jorge. Of course, Jorge really wanted to learn as well because he wanted to help other people. He, uh, he knew what it was like to be in very bad shape and he wanted to kind of join the fight with this healer and be able to look after others as well. So again, you don't have to come from a line of healers to be brought into the tradition. Uh, there are other ways. Sometimes events will unfold so that you find your place in this world. And sometimes your place in this world is within these lineages, within these disciplines and traditions. So in the Amazonian tradition, how do they learn? I talked a little bit about this in episode 24, the difference between Carl Jung's work and the work pioneered by traditional indigenous healers. Definitely check out that episode. But basically, there are two aspects of who we are. We have this conscious side of who we are, and we have this unconscious side of who we are. The conscious side is really all about the biological processes. It's the instinctual side of who we are as humans. But then we also have this unconscious side, which is filled with inborn intuitions. And we do some really cool stuff with that. Now, that's the way that Carl Jung has described these two aspects of who we are. Um, I have a little bit of a problem with the term unconscious because unconscious to whom? Traditional indigenous healers? Uh, uh-uh, I don't think so. They are experts at dealing with the so-called unconscious. To them, very conscious they have techniques they have ways to go and look at the so-called unconscious and even work with it in a very efficient way. So for traditional indigenous healers, it's not quite like that. It's more like we have a physical side to who we are, but we also have an energetic and spiritual side as well. Nonetheless, we are sort of saying the same things. We're looking at the same two different elements. The only thing is that Carl Jung was not an energy healer. He was not a healer of that kind. So he is going to look at things in a very different way than traditional indigenous as healers and their disciplines. Either way, depending on where your discipline has its roots, whether it is in the unconscious side of life like the traditional indigenous healers or whether it is in the more conscious side of reality like most disciplines in modern society, that is how you're going to learn. When you're talking about the conscious aspects and learning that way, you're going to learn with books. You're going to go to college. You're going to take tests. You're going to write essays. You're going to do all of these things. There's no way to pass this information on telepathically to you. Uh, There's no way to energetically pass this information on to you because this discipline has roots in the conscious side of reality. Now for the unconscious side of reality and all the disciplines there, which include ancestral sciences, which include the Amazonian tradition, the Hyandian Kiro tradition, they have roots in the unconscious world. So that means you're going to learn telepathically, you're going to learn energetically, and you still need to practice. You still need to learn how to brew, for example, the ayahuasca brew. You still need to learn how to identify the plants and how to... To prepare them. However, in terms of how you're really going to learn what this discipline is all about, it's going to be using the methods and the techniques that are compatible with the unconscious side of life or the spiritual and energetic aspects of reality. Um, Energetic changes are made to you and your body thanks to these sacred plants and the diets that you're going to do with them. And also you are going to be learning telepathically. Most of these sacred beings are not gonna talk to you in English or Spanish or Ketua even. They're just going to telepathically communicate with you during that diet. When they are in your body, they will be able to communicate with you and you'll be able to share the same space together. When you're dealing with the unconscious or the energetic and spiritual aspects of reality, that is a place where intellect does not reach, Uh, language does not reach. They are very bulky. They're very um, slow methods of learning. It is not really compatible with that world, so we don't use those things there. So we have another way of learning because we are learning about a very different aspect of life. We are learning from a discipline that has its roots in a very different part or aspect of life. Now, for the Amazonian healer, they are going to be communicating with sacred plants, but most people don't speak plant. (laughs) So in order to communicate, in order to learn, in order to really do this, you have to ingest these sacred plants. Now, it's not just about taking it. Uh, It has to be a process that is supervised by someone who has done this before. It's a very delicate process that should be monitored. Usually, people will do ayahuasca first, to kind of cleanse your body. And then after that, you will go on and do your diet, usually in isolation. And that way you could really uh, take everything in. You don't want to open yourself up in the middle of a city, for example. You want to be away so that that way you can really commune with nature in a, in a very different way. And once this plant is able to communicate with you, you're able to communicate with it, um, the plant will start to... Help you energetically evolve your own body into the body of a healer. Uh, Eventually, you don't have to drink in order to communicate with the plant. You're able to do that without having to diet the plant per se or have the plant in your system. When people go to ayahuasca centers, that is exactly what they're doing. They are communicating with that ayahuasca plant, they are communing with that plant, they are sharing their body, their energetics, their spiritual essence with that plant. And that is how the plant can help because if the plant is in your body, she has access to the physical aspects of who you are, the energetic aspects of who you are, and the spiritual aspects of who you are. So although you can't figure it out, she can because she is a sacred being. And so she is going to help you uh, connect all of the dots that you can't seem to connect, of course, with the help of a healer who is going to be holding space for this beautiful process to take place. In the next episode, I'll be going over how healers prepare for this incredible role in this Amazonian discipline. Now, let's recap on today's episode. We talked about the three major elements that had to be present in order for this discipline to come about. You had to have reverence and gratitude and love for Mother Earth and also all of your brothers and sisters here on Earth. You had to have a sense of service to your community, to Mother Earth, to the divine, because you had to go through some really wild processes just so that you can learn how to heal. You really had to want to help others in order to reach these heights. And also, you were going to need to have these inborn intuitions. Luckily for us, we all naturally have them. We also talked about how people are brought into this tradition. Usually it's passed down from family member to family member, but sometimes there are situations that happen in life that bring people to these traditions. We also talked a little bit about how people learn in these traditions. They have to communicate with plants, with sacred beings. And the only way to do that, since we don't speak plant, and since plants don't have vocal cords to speak to us, we have to ingest them. Through ingestion, that is how we can communicate, because we are in the same space together. And we do things telepathically. We do things energetically. We don't read books. We don't take courses Why? Because these disciplines have roots in the unconscious side of life. It isn't like studying psychology where you have to uh, learn that discipline based on the rules and the framework that is really needed in the conscious world. We don't use that framework for dealing with the unconscious and we don't learn about the unconscious with that framework. The framework for the conscious world or the physical world is that framework that is needed for that aspect of life. But for the unconscious, you need a different kind of framework. And that's the one that we use when we are learning in these disciplines. So that's the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you walked away with something new to consider. We will continue this talk on Amazonian Healing Disciplines next episode. And hey, if you're on Instagram, go ahead and say hi. We want to check out your dog and cat and we want to see how you're doing. Traditional Medicine Miami is how you can find us. Also, if you want to reach out to us via website check out traditionalmedicinemiami.com and reach out to us we'll be happy to help out in any way we can thank you so much i hope you're having a beautiful day or night wherever you may be and i look forward to hanging out with you again soon